Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Friday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Hope you're all looking forward to the weekend. I am short weeks. The four-day week is fantastic, isn't it? It doesn't feel like a full week at all with it. Couldn't be cut it without the uh, Monday. Anyway, welcome to the show. When I tell you a little later on, Daniel O'Donnell is joining me. Yes, he's a new album and new single out. I take a lovely stroll. It's winter time in Rosie May's wonderful gardens just near Slane. It's just outside Slane in County Mead. Oh, beautiful. At this time of the year, would you think there'd be much colour in the garden? Loads in hers, I have to say. David Sheehan looks ahead to the weekend in sport. We have your TV theme to be identified. Top five countdown. Comedy on Friday. And it is a classic, I promise you. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. You need that number through the afternoon. But I want to begin today. They say, you know, when you get in touch or meet your heroes, sometimes it disappoints. But I can tell you, not in this case. Ricky Tomlinson has been knocking about the country for the last week. Why? Because he's coming to Ireland with his brand new show called Irish Annie's early next year and the show will take place at the Crescent Concert Hall in Drogheda on the 6th of April so he's coming to the North East I've always admired him from afar and I honestly believe the Royal Family is the greatest sitcom of all time that's just my belief I absolutely love it so a little earlier I caught up with Ricky himself and he began by telling me first about this new show called Irish Annie's well, I, I'm just a customer who comes into the pub, and I treat I treat the audience as people in the pub who were sitting in the posh bar, sitting in the parlour, and I just involve them in anything that's going on, and sort of try and encourage them to join in all the singing and all, all the joking. But it's been amazing; we've had amazing success, and not only when we've been going around all the towns in 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 England. Like, when we done St. Helens, Johnny Vegas lived there, so we got him on the show. Mm. When we done Liverpool, we got Stan Borden on the show. When we done Blackpool, we got McMillan on the show. So wherever we go, if there's a celebrity or anyone who's well-known in that area, we get them to come and take part in the show. And it's just been hilarious. It's fantastic. And the songs are wonderful. And there's a, a, a live six-piece band, The Shenanigans. They're tremendous, you know fiddle player and all like that. I, lo- I love it. It's real life, it's music. But Asa has written a song called That's What Pals Are. You want to hear it. It's unbelievable. We've we, we, we done this on a little on a little barge and a fella on a little tiny recording machine recorded it. It's had over a million hits. That was for charity. That was for cancer research, you know? It all adds up what you're talking about there to a wonderful night's entertainment. I just want to mention to listeners that it's happening in Drogheda in the Crescent Concert Hall on Saturday, April the 6th at 8 o'clock. And you can check out all the details, the information on tickets, etc. It's on irishannie.com. Tell them to bring their phones for the selfies. Because after the show, the whole cast goes front of house and we encourage them to come and take selfies. And I give out caricatures of Jim Royal and photographs of Jim Royal 
And, and that's part of the show. We spend an hour and a half after the show doing selfies and signatures and whatever. Terrific. Now, there's the invitation to you today, folks. And the details are available on irishannie.com. We can't wait to see you coming to Drogheda in the That's new right, year. Yeah. Let's talk a little yeah. bit for a moment about you and the past. Brookside, Cracker, etc. Yeah. But the royal family for me, may I say, Ricky, in my opinion, is the greatest sitcom of all time. Can I say that to you? Ever. Well, it, it was wonderful. But listen, your, 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 your listeners, tell them there's so much coming on. Because a, a one-hour special where me, Lakey, Dave, and Sue Johnson just sit and talk about what it was like backstage when we were doing the show. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. And also, me and Sue Johnson have just done a thing called DNA, where they traced our history right back to the middle of the 17th century. And, back, and it's unbelievable. I wish I could tell you how it ends up, but I'm sworn to secrecy. You won't believe where mine ends up, and you certainly won't believe where Sue Johnson's ends up. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing, honestly. And another thing there, we've got some two, um, I don't know whether it's six half hours or three one hours, of a thing called Ricky and Sue Take a Trip or Two, where we go all over the country, you know? And it, it was wonderful. And they actually took us to Coventry, to a theatre, where, where, where Sue Johnson made uh, one of her first appearances when she was just becoming a young actress. And they said to me, have you got any memories about Coventry? I said, yes. I said, this is where I had my greatest ever role. And they said, oh, what was that? I said, it was a sausage roll from over the road from the theatre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ricky, you're a scream a minute. But listen, come back to the royal family and all that happened there over the years. I could nearly play a part in so many of them. They were so brilliant. Chris Murray is our breakfast show presenter here on LMFM Radio and he knows I'm talking to you today and he asked me to ask you, the jeans and the T-shirt you wore, <laughs> are they still around? Oh, they're still around, but I had to hide them because the laundry woman used to, like, well, the dresser used to wash them and I didn't want them washing, so I used to hide them behind the radiators and under cushions on top of the wardrobe. And they'd come in and they'd search the building till they found them and wash them. So when they'd come in the next day, I was performing in, you know, new clean clothes. I didn't like that, so... It became a game in the end. I used to hang them out the windows and everything. I didn't want them. I wanted. I was playing a scruff, so I wanted to feel scruffy. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 Ricky, I have to say, there are so many great episodes, but I have to mention this. I will never forget, and any time I watch it, I cry, the Queen of Sheba. Oh, with, with, with Nana. Yes, when she oh, passed she was, away. She was my favourite. She was my favourite. And every day... When she wasn't working, she accidentally came past at lunchtime. But it was only accidentally. She didn't really want a dinner, but she just happened to pass every day. And I tried to make a show of her. I said, you, pen- you give pensioners a bad name. I said, we're just sitting down to lunch, and you always just happened to pass. She said, I, I, don't, I didn't know you were having your lunch. I said, you go you out of it, you do. <laughs> Uh, and you know, when she moved, she went to shelter the accommodation down in Brighton. She had her own front door key and her own little flat, but so did everyone else in, in the complex. And Lerky was so good to her. Mm. He would go down and get a basket of fruit, a bouquet of flowers, half a dozen ladies' magazines, and he was so good. And he's doing amazing now. He's over in America. Mm. 
He's in America. He's doing so well in America. Well, one of the programs that will be on the television at Christmas is me, Lakey, Dave, and Sue Johnson just sitting together and talking about what it was like when Briggy's trousers fell off. He didn't <laughs> fall down, he fell off. And about Nana and what we got up to, it was absolutely amazing. And and, and we, we talk about Caroline and when the baby was born and all, and it was amazing when, when her waters broke. And I mean, because all the tears were real tears in that scene. Mm. And even the cameraman, the cameraman was crying. He'd been a cameraman for 14 odd years. And, his, and he was the son of a famous actor. I don't know whether any of your elderly listeners will remember um, Stan Ogden out at Coronation Street. Their main family in Coronation Street was Hilderman Stan Ogden. Well, Stan Ogden was the father of the cameraman who was filming it. And it was him who shouted, That's action cut. That's it. It's a wrap. He was crying to buckets. The cameraman was crying. Oh, <laughs> yes, I ain't one bit surprised. That is one of the most emotional. And really, for the context yeah. of the whole series, that just caught us all unawares. And we cry still every time we see it. And Norma, the late Liz Smith, what a wonderful actress you mentioned there as well. But listen, come back to Twiggy. Yeah. You and Twiggy taking the wallpaper off the walls. I'll never forget uh, it. <laughs> oh, well, uh, well, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm telling the truth. He was going that fast. His, his, his trousers fell off. He didn't fall down, he fell off. And he had the biggest pair of old-fashioned white, white front underpants on you've ever seen in your life. And I, because he, he, his hobby was sailing, he had a little sailing ship, you know. And I said, them underpants, you've made them out of one of the sails off the ship. I said, you should have seen them. Honestly. It's like an advert for Oxfam, it was awful. <laughs> And Ricky, I have to mention when Roger arrived with his beautiful wife. Oh, that episode. Ricky, come on. Brilliant. He's wonderful, you know. He's a, he's a lovely fella, then, honestly. He's a real nice guy. He didn't come. He was like me. I came into the game when I was 45. After, 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 you know, after, after I came out of prison and I, got, I bumped into the game. And his name is John Henshaw. And he was a bin man. He worked on a bin lorry, you know, going around emptying the bin. And something happened, and he got a little chance. And like me, he took it with both hands, and we become real good friends. So when they made um, Early Doors, he was perfect for the part that he had in uh, Early Doors. Yeah, so Roger, Roger, my backside. <laughs> yeah, I, I still say it, Roger, my arse. <laughs> <laughs> and his, and his, and his, the girl who played his wife was saying, um, what, what was her first? She was one of the Detrices, wasn't she? Yes. What was her name? What was her? I can't think of her first name. But uh, she was lovely. And he, and he said... Uh, Susan George. Was it Susan George? Oh, so he said, yeah. we started in a rough old place like this, he said. Yeah. <laughs> and he had season tickets from Manchester United. He had. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I hope he was at the match four, four or five weeks ago when Liverpool beat them 7-0. I'm sitting here with Asa Murphy, and, and, and he's, a, he's, a, he's a fellow Red. And I go to the match with Jimmy McGovern. You may know Jimmy McGovern. He's one of the, well, he's probably the best writer on television. Mm. He's actually won three battles for Hillsborough, moving on, clink. He's, he's an amazing writer. And we all go together, and we sit on the table with Colin McEwen, who's, who's the filmmaker from Liverpool. And we have a great time. We have a wonderful time. We meet all the ex-footballers. Sammy Lee's on the table, an ex-Liverpool footballer. So we have a great, great time, honestly. We're living, 
We're living the good life, me and Aisha, at the moment. <laughs> and Liverpool are looking good this year, I have to say. They're playing well. Yeah, they're doing, they're doing really well, honestly. They're doing really well. But as I say, I love the football. And although I'm a Liverpoolian, I like I like to see Everton win as well. Mm. I like to see Everton win as well, you know, because they're, 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 you know they're half Liverpool, half Liverpool, and half Everton. Yeah. So I want us both to do well, and uh, I want us to win everything. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, Ricky, you were obviously then with your football love of Liverpool, you were made for the part of Mike Bassett, England manager. Well, I I went to see it the other week, and the kids had never seen it. And I'll tell you where it was. It was in Berry. I went to Berry because there's a lovely lady. She's a, a, a film director, and she was raising funds for, for Berry. And she said, "Will you come and do you know do a talk show?" He showed the film, and they done Q and A, and it was hilarious. But there was a lot of youngsters and teenagers who'd never seen it, and they were fascinated that I'd met Perry and what was going. And I tell them the story, you know, and it's a true story. While I was there, I went and tried to get Ronnie Briggs uh, Ronnie Biggs, and bring him back to England. And I missed him by 10 minutes. I went up into the mountains, into a taverna, to get Ronnie Biggs, to give him a part in the movie, by the way, first, and then to bring him back to England with us. And I missed him by 10 minutes, yeah. Got to mention, you mentioned uh, her there in passing, the late, great Carolina Hearn and Craig Cash, who played such a part in, in writing The Royal Family. They were brilliant. They were absolutely brilliant, honestly. And, and, and I mean, I'd done a little charity show for Andy Burnham a couple of weeks ago, and, and Craig was in the audience with his wife, and, and we had a great laugh. You know, because he holds the record on the set, Craig, 14 takes to say one word. <laughs> 14 takes, because he, he just couldn't stop laughing. And that was because we were winding him up. But, you know, as, as he was going to say his word, we were laughing winding him up and so in the end Caroline sent him off the set she said go and control yourself and come back when you can behave (laughs) brilliant (laughs) oh and yes you know you had the likes of Mary and Joe the neighbours and uh, Jessica Cheryl as well there and all those but you were a wonderful family was it as as tight and close as you sort of felt from the the shows when you watched them Were 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 you a happy camp we had the time of our life, honestly, and it was a team. Right, right from the kid, right from the kid who brushed the floor, from the kid who run for the messages, the little one who went and got our, our lunch for us at lunch. And Caroline Hain treated them exactly the same as she treated the cast. And every Friday night, she would have a table laid out. I used to drink uh, mild beer in them days. She'd have mild beer for me, lager for the lads, spitter for the lads, a couple of bottles of wine for the makeup lady and the, the girls from the wardrobe department and a bottle of champagne for there and Sue. And then everybody, everybody, whether it was the kid that went for the messages, the kids who swept the floor, everybody got a lottery ticket every week off it, everyone. Fantastic. And of course, the singing yeah. in it and you playing the banjo as well added yeah. so much to it. You didn't do enough of that. You should have played more of that banjo, can I say to you? <laughs> yeah. oh, but it was great. It was great. And it's lovely to see them all and have a laugh, you know. And as I say, I've done so much work with Sue Johnson over the last couple of months. Blimey, we'll have our own show on the television mm-hmm. soon, the way we're going on. <laughs> you will indeed. Well, anyway, look, I just want to remind my listeners again, Ricky Tomlinson is coming to the Crescent Concert Hall in Drogheda on the 6th of April next year with this wonderful new production, Irish Annie. He'll be available to you all afterwards for selfies and everything else. Tickets and information from irishannie.com. 
You are one of the nicest. You're one of the greatest. It's been my absolute pleasure to chat with you today, Ricky. God bless you. Good luck to you listeners as well, kid. All the best. I would like to leave this city This old town don't smell too pretty And I can feel the warning signs Running around my mind And when I leave this island I put myself into a soul asylum Cause I can feel the warning signs Running around my mind So here I go Still scratching around in the same old home My body feels young but my mind is very old So what do you say? You can't Watch TV. TV themes. TV themes with Jerry Kelly on the Late Lunch. Remember that TV movie we saw? TV, TV, TV. Now, are you ready? 086-1800-658. You need that number now. WhatsApp or text me. It's a classic. Have a listen. Forty-one years it's been going as of yesterday. That show in the afternoon. I am so delighted to welcome my next guest back to Late Lunch because you see he's back with his new album. It's called How Lucky I Must Be and the new single is fabulous. I love the title, The Flowers, The Sunset and The Trees. I'm all about that too. Daniel O'Donnell, great to chat to you again. And Jerry, it's lovely to talk to you too. Thanks very much for uh, coming on the show with me once more. Well, 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 here you are back again. Talk about longevity. My God Almighty, when you think about it, you are the first recording artist to chart at least one new album every year in the UK Artist Album Charts for 35 consecutive years, Daniel. I know, I know. The first album, I believe, went on in 1988. And, you know, it's down to a great following. And it's the same here, you know, when we, you know, do the shows wherever we go. There's people that come time and time and time again and buy the albums. And you just, I can't ever be grateful enough for the support that I've had through the years. You know, it's 40 years last February since I recorded my Donegal Shore and Stand Beside Me. And from then till now, you know, I've had just great support. You know, when you mention 40 years, you have people who started with you and continued all the way. But here's the thing, Daniel. You have new generations coming to you all the time. Well, sure, this is it. It's, it's a bit like, you know, you're getting old when the when the guards or the policemen, as they call them, wherever you are, when they start getting, getting young, you're getting old. And I look out now 
and I see young faces in the audience are younger than me anyway, and I think, isn't it amazing? And I look round at the band, and they're nearly all younger than me. I used to be the youngest on the stage. So it's, it's, it's amazing, I suppose, how the time has passed, and yet the music has stood the test. It has, and you endure, and it's fabulous that you do endure and that you have such a wonderful fan base. When you mentioned there, you know, uh, going back, and, and in that piece you mentioned when you were 16, singing at the local hotel. What hotel was that? That was, well, at the time it was called Austin the Rossum. It's now called the Waterfront. But it was the only, well, the hotel outside the town, Sweeney's was in the middle of the town, and this was the one outside the town. And we used to go every Saturday and Sunday and Friday, I suppose, to the whole weekend. But we'd go up, the Murray's would be playing there, and they called themselves La Scala, and we'd all get up and sing with them. And there was a bit of, there was a dance floor. You probably know the hotel, maybe, maybe you were in it. Austin the Ross, and I remember it myself well, I have to say, going up there at Tinder and Low to do a bit of fishing in the Rosses with stayed mm-hmm. Jimmy Sweeney and uh, uh, Charlie Bonner at the bridge there and everything. Oh, what memories. Lovely part of the world. And the Austin, was, it, was, it was the centrepiece, wasn't it, of entertainment up there? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I suppose it's where everybody went and, and, and they give me the opportunity to sing. And that one particular night, I remember singing, and I'll tell you what I was singing. I was singing the boys in the county Armagh, and I was singing that, and I was as happy as Larry. And I was looking at the crowd dancing, and they were singing and smiling. And I just thought for that minute, wouldn't this be a great way to spend my life? Even though I finished school, I went on to Galway to, to the college there. I just... I couldn't get it out of my head, you know, and I just started travelling in with Margaret in 1981. I was only three months at the college, and I remember I was staying with Pat and Sean Nugent and then Moore in Galway, and Pat was a very direct talking woman. And I came back after Christmas. I said, I'm not going back to the college. I said, I'm going to sing. And I remember Pat was standing in the kitchen. I can see her form yet standing, uh, kind of, I was in the hallway at the door of the kitchen, and she never really turned around, kind of just says, would you not be better to learn something first? And I can always remember that her thought was that it was a kind of a shaky business to go into, and would I not be better to have something behind me? And when I started doing well, and God rest Pat, she's no longer with us, um, when I would go to Galway and she'd be there, I would tell the story that Pat gave me the advice, but I didn't listen. <laughs> you wanted to be out front, Daniel. I wanted to. And even with Margaret, you know, Margaret was anxious that I would learn the guitar. That it might hold me back. Isn't that awful silly? Mm. And now, I suppose if I wanted to learn it hard enough, I would stick with it. But I, it would be lovely to be able to pick up the guitar and play it now. But I just felt there was nowhere for me other than out on the front singing. I, that's what I wanted, you know. And people would say to me too, you know, you must have been very determined. I didn't realise that I was determined, but I must have been, mm. you know, without even realising myself. I just had that belief that that's where it was for me. And my God, has it been for you all those years since. Hey, you're still causing a stir. What were you up to with Alison Hammond on this morning on ITV oh, the other God. day? 
sure I didn't know what she was going to ask me. And, you know, you just answer quick then. And I think, oh, Lord, why did I say that? Anyway, that's the way it is. It was lovely. It was lovely, the, the, the interview. They were lovely yeah. to me. Yeah. And, of course, Alison asked Don question and I answered. <laughs> Don answer. <laughs> anyway, you were only stating the fact as time goes by, the underwear does get a big bit bigger for most of us men or women. Yeah, Daniel. I should have said I should have said my crowd wouldn't be at that carry on, but <laughs> it was I suppose you know it was it was funny. It was only a bit of crack. Yeah, that's all real fun, and everybody enjoyed it. it got some publicity as well. They did ask you, which uh, I know we spoke about before, about the Coronation Street ambition. You absolutely love it. You're a massive fan, and you said you said you'd take a brush and sweep the streets I to know, get on it. I know I could loiter anywhere. I could stand outside the rovers, no bother. <laughs> but uh, listen to that's only just a bit of fun too. I, I do. I have always loved Coronation Street from way back. Jerry, way back as far as money and and Elsie Tanner and, and you know they'd be having the suit herself and Nina Sharples you know a less than reputable character and um, you know they'd be in the snug with Uncle Albert and yeah, go back to that and down through the years then with all the, the different characters the, the actors but when you meet them you don't you don't see the person at all that they are all you can see is the person they are in Coronation Street you know mm. The character comes through all the time. Yeah. It is amazing, and that's what you know when you're a fan. Please, God, someday that will happen. Wouldn't it be just fantastic? I'm sure the the, <laughs> the hints have been dropped left, right, and centre. Expect Daniel and Corey someday soon. <laughs> like, the hints are like a bus coming down a one-way street. <laughs> <laughs> Look on on a, on a, on a more somber note. You've had a tough year. You know your sister Kathleen left you in February, and then uh, of course September. Uh, Marion Roach Magella's uh, mother passed on. Daniel, I know, I know. You know these things. So we can't avoid what life is going to throw to us. And Marion, of course, was was she had dementia, and but was quite good with it up until very short before she passed away the jealous mum and you know grateful that she didn't have a long illness and that she didn't suffer but still it's a huge loss to, to everybody Kathleen on the other hand was just uh, like a bolt out of the blue we never expected mm. just never expected the suddenness of her death you know mm. and you just you know it happens to so many people but at the same time when it's yourself or her family, that's just, it's devastating. Mm. And you do go on, surely, but you just can't stop thinking about her, you know. And mm. She was very in the middle of everything for us. You know, she lived in the home place where we were all brought up. And Kathleen was the one that I would, and we all would get phone. It was a bit like my mother. I used to phone my mother every day, and she would have all the news. And Kathleen was the same, although I didn't phone her every day, but I would phone her to find things out or if there was any news. And I used to always say, Kathleen was the kind, if I asked her a question, she didn't know the answer. She'd make something up. She wouldn't leave me without an answer. (laughs) You know, she was that kind of person. She just, you have to be grateful for her life as well. Mm. Um, Even though the, the thing about it is my mother lived nearly 30 years more than Kathleen. And you think that's what everybody will have, but that's not how how God has it planned. No, definitely not. We never know day to day, and uh, no. 
enjoy every one of them because we don't know for any of us what lies around the know, corner. But anyway, it. please God, they rest at peace. And uh, you know, yeah. we we think of them today as as I as I chat to you here. Before we finish up, a couple of things. It's coming near the Christmas season, and of course, chocolate is a big thing at Christmas. And oh. Daniel and O'Donnell and chocolate, I believe, go hand in hand. What's your oh, favorite? What's your favorite chocolate, Daniel? Well, before I say this now, I don't want anybody to be going out to get sweets for me if they're coming to a show. <laughs> but I love them. I don't know how to even say it. They're Gillian or Gillian chocolates. They're, they're seashells. Yes. And I just love them. Now, my, my second or maybe it is a, a close second, you can't beat a bar of dairy milk. <laughs> Do you know? Oh, lovely. So many glasses in every bar. A yeah. milk tray at Christmas is lovely too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see them stockpiling up at the venues that you're going to appear at. <laughs> well, anyway, no, I don't need God. No, I don't need. Don't be taking things to me. But that's when I have a wee, a wee bite of a sweet. That's what I love. Yeah. But mm. my problem is that I, I can't stop. I do eat and eat and eat and eat. I love it, and it's not good for the singing because it's. Uh, they say it fills you up your 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 throat. It's not good for that mm. area. Anyway, but so listen, you have to do something. It hasn't done you any harm over the years. Keep at it. Don't <laughs> don't 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 change what isn't broken, as they say. I just want to mention before we finish, you are coming back to the northeast, the TLT in Drogheda on Saturday, the eleventh of May next year, and tickets go on sale on the second of December for that one. And I'm telling you this, you there won't be a seat available in the house. You better get on. <laughs> and queue uh, on the 2nd of December for the gig on the 11th of May. We're really looking forward to that. And the new album is out right now. It's called How Lucky I Must Be. And congratulations with it. Beautiful songs on it. And um, I know your fan base will be eager to get it as soon as possible and start playing the songs on it. You're great. And I'm delighted to chat to you again today. You're always welcome. And thanks indeed. Well, hopefully next time I'll be sitting in front of you, Jerry. Ah, Daniel, that's great. I would just love that. And we'll we, we'll do that. We'll do that in the new year, please, God. Anyway, we're going to finish today listening to the new single, The Flowers, The Sunset and The Trees. Daniel O'Donnell, keep on doing what you're doing. Thanks so much, Jerry. God bless. Each time I touch your own and breathe the sweet fragrance it brings I know there's a God up in heaven no human could create these things the dogwood the oak and the willow so gracefully wave in the breeze. Knock, knock. Who's there? That's how it works. It's called comedy. Comedy. Comedy, comedy. Comedy, sir. Comedy. Comedy. Classic comedy. Classic comedy. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. On the late lunch. I love comedy. Well, you see, this was a no-brainer today for me, folks. Haven't spoken to Ricky Tomlinson, top of the show. And we did talk about this particular episode and scene. It was when Anthony, uh, the son of the royal family, known as Lurkio, uh, was engaged to Emma. And Emma's mum and dad, Roger and Valerie, came visiting to the royal household for the very first time. And it was a little uneasy, but Roger was a real boasty lad. Anyway, we join the royal household as Jim, a.k.a. Mr. Ricky Tomlinson, waves them off as they leave the house. And this is what happened immediately afterwards. Ooh, he's a big headed get him. It'll take him ten minutes to get in the bloody car with his bloody big head. He's a big-headed guest. He'll never stop boasting. His house, his car, his bloody yacht, even his poor bloody wine. And I tell you what, I'd love to meet bloody Joe Longthorne. But as for you, Dave Best. What? What, you were all over him like a bloody rash, you longly, lanky, whistling ass old licker, yeah? I'm going upstairs. What for? What for? To check the helicopter pad for his next flying bloody visit. Hey, all right, cocker, hey. Hey, I wish I'd have bloody well stayed up here with you instead of downstairs with big god bloody umpty dumpty head Roger. Hey, are you having this baby David? He's got, he's got a bloody yacht, a bloody Aston bloody Martin, he's got a bloody big house in the country, he's got a box at Man United, a box at bloody Manchester City. Hey, and he's got a lovely tart out in ale. And what have I got? I've got absolutely bloody nothing. We haven't even got a bloody Dyson. Hey! And no one would have loved to have got a pair of bloody implants for Barbara more than me. And I've got so much enjoyment out of them. But what have I got? I've got absolutely bloody nothing. Nothing. I never have had. I haven't got two eighties to rub together. I'm always bloody skit and I always will be. Where did it all go wrong, baby David? You good David. Isn't she lovely, Valerie? Oh, yeah. She's beautiful, Valerie, isn't she? Yeah. Mm. Barbara. Mm. Barbara, do you know who Valerie reminds me of? Who, ma'am? Me. Oh, Denise. Mm. How the other half live. Mm. Aren't you lucky, aren't you? Marrying into that lot. Yeah. Mm. Hey, ma'am. Mm. Does Dad still think we haven't got him a present this year? <laughs> Dad? Mm? Aren't you bothered that we didn't get anything this year? <laughs> My chance happens of a lifetime. <laughs> well, we all club together, even Nana. And uh, we got you this. To the best dad and husband in the world. And we are loving family. (laughs) Sky. Sky TV. You've got me Sky TV. Two hundred channels! <laughs> Rob 
Jemaya! Yes, my opening guest on the show today, Mr. Ricky Tomlinson there, as Jim and the Royal Family from that classic episode uh, where the in-laws came calling Sky TV and he was so happy. Oh my God, I just love it. And I love the reruns to watch them. Uh, It was just brilliant, brilliant stuff. It really, really was. It's winter and I'm back in Rosie May's fabulous gardens near Slane in County Mead. And I just think of when I arrived here springtime first and I look around me today after the blinking weather we've had with wind and rain and the leaves are everywhere and it's totally different. But I've been here spring, summer, autumn and now it's winter time. Thanks for inviting me back. You're very welcome. I actually was looking forward to having you here today because it's very easy to have colour in, actually in spring, summer and, and autumn. But now that we're moving into winter and right where we're standing is actually a really good spot to kind of take a kind of a 360 view, if you like, of the garden. And you see, there is still colour. Funny, because we don't think of green as a colour, but green is definitely a colour. But if you look this way, you'll see the white of the silver birch. The leaves have fallen, but the white trunks are now standing out. That's a Canadian maple, which is just turning the most beautiful shades mm. of oranges and reds. And kind of just go completely around here. The, the leaves of the hydrangeas have all turned red with and the lovely reds of cornice. The hostas have got yellow leaves, which I actually quite like. And then going completely full circle, we've got evergreens in the shapes of yews, and they make a nice upright. And then the cups of silver birch on the way here in just, you know, when you come in the drive. Remember last uh, February and it was underplanted with snowdrops. You didn't even see the trees, but now the trees are the focus. Yes, it's so interesting. And it just shows you the life of a garden changing from season to season. So as we make our way down here, we're heading towards the courtyard first today, which is a little bit different to our normal route around the garden. It is. And it's because I want to show you this wonderful maple and also to show you that the tree ferns are still looking magnificent and in fact unless we get a really bad frost I will just be leaving them as they are. Now I keep an eye on the forecast over the winter and they are good to about minus five minus seven for a short period of time but because a lot of people lost them in 2010 I keep horticultural fleece on hand or a bit of straw or sometimes I even chop up the actual fronds and the bit to protect is do you see this bit here in the middle? So if you look into the middle, in fact, it's already protected with a lot of uh, leaves. Sea leaves. Yes. And all you're trying to do is just keep any of the frost away from that's next year's fronds will emerge from there. Yeah. So I just, but aren't they beautiful? They're and, fabulous. You know, They're yeah. absolutely magnificent. When you think about it, November, look at them. They're wonderful. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And you'll just see there's a lovely, uh, a different type of a fern here. And then those two there in the, in the pots, that's lime moss or Irish moss. And there's a few more different varieties here. Mm. I, I, I keep trying to buy the, the lime moss, but sometimes it's not as advertised, mm. but it doesn't matter. It's lovely. It's nice underplanting. Yeah, and you can just see all the leaves have um, not they're not all down but most of them are down there's still a few clinging to the trees mm. um, but lots and lots of colour still in the form of leaves look over here look yeah. at that for a burst of I can only describe it as red it is uh, Japanese maples are fantastic at this time of the year well they're fantastic actually for three seasons a spring they colour up then sometimes they kind of go they kind of fade into the background sometimes in the summer um, unless they actually have a, a purple leaf mm. beautiful autumn colour beautiful spring colour and then green in the, in the summer but as you will see as we walk around lots and lots of maples great stuff 
Ah, oh, it's lovely here and it just does show you the colours. Look at that as we pass here, lovely yellow yeah. there, a silver on the leaf there. Look at the hydrangea, look at yeah. the colour on that. Isn't that extraordinary? And that hydrangea has been blooming since early July and it's gone through a couple of different shades and I love that, that winter look, you know, that kind of, they almost dry mm. and I leave the heads on until early spring and you see the way the wind has actually gotten this so that's going to get a revamp in the spring and to revamp an old hydrangea what I do is I take a three-year approach so next spring I'll take out a third of all of the old stems but because you're leaving two-thirds you'll still have flowers whereas if I cut the whole lot you won't have any blooms next mm. year and then the following year I'll cut out another third and then the following year another th- and then I'll have a new plant oh what a <laughs> what a wonderful system and I just want to mention going by yeah. here yeah. lovely little delicate flower on yeah. this here red tipped with uh, a yeah. red flower tipped with yellow and little purple yeah. eyes on the end of it it's what's g- that it's called a cigar plant isn't that funny cupia it's like a burning cigar <laughs> it's, it's cute lovely little. and I want to say this to listeners we pass a tree here and look yeah. we're in November yeah. and the leaves have just been shed but look already yeah. the buds for next Next year. Absolutely. And this What is this? This is Cornus controversa variegata and it's a dogwood. And you know the way along the motorways you see lots of different dogwoods, but this is a kind of a posh one and it's absolutely fab. I love the way it grows in tears. Um mm. its kind of nickname is the wedding cake tree because when it's in full leaf it looks yeah. like a, the tears of a wedding cake yes, if you like yes. but look at all the buds for next oh, year already for next year already yeah, there you are super. it never stops the no. wheel keeps turning <laughs> in the garden so we're going to drop back down into the towards the lower part of the garden because we've been in the courtyard already of course yeah. I'm really curious now yeah. because with all the rain we've been having yes, I'm, I'm really curious <laughs> to see the low the lowlands as we move from the highlands in your garden well all I can say is I'm glad you're wearing wellies <laughs> <laughs> always have the wellies in the car well that's a really good idea um, because the lower part of the garden gets very soggy I've planted remember I told you about the weeping willow yes now we planted that about I think it's only in its third year and it's already oh my goodness it's 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 growing like wildfire and I'm delighted because hopefully that'll mean it'll suck up some of that excess water. Yes, yes. It really has been unusually wet, isn't it, in a general sense? Yes, absolutely. And because, I say, we're on a hill as well, a lot of the the water from our roof, it's kind of redirected as well. And I don't mind it too much because it's redirected down in the direction of plants that like water, like the hydrangeas. I just want to stop you here because it's a lovely bit of autumn colour here. There is, for sure. So this here is... I love this this shrub. It's, it's it's actually a cherry tree, but it's a dwarf cherry tree, which seems a bit funny because it's nine feet tall. But it's Prunus kojonomai, and gorgeous in spring, covered in little tiny, tiny, pale, pale pink flowers. It's kind of got wiry stems in the winter, but then it goes this gorgeous orange colour in the autumn. Oh, it's beautiful. Isn't it beautiful? It is beautiful. And then autumn beyond that, you have the contrast of the, the light variegated again. Absolutely. And beyond that... The yellow. Oh, isn't my lovely? God, isn't that just beautiful? Yeah. What colour? What colour? That is a gorgeous yellow. It's um, That, I believe, is a Norwegian... I think it's the Norwegian maple, yeah, because I have the Canadian maple over there, which is red, and this is the Norwegian one. Would you believe I was on the Shannon on a weekend on the boat, and I managed to get that tree into the car coming home in Carrick and Shannon? There was, <laughs> I saw it on the side of a road, and it was 
the back of it was sticking out the, 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 the window of the car. And my long-suffering husband was going, you could go anywhere and get a plant. <laughs> and that, that's more of the Pittisborough Irene Yes, Patterson, that we loved that. Which yes. really is lovely. Yeah. And look at your pond, the pond. lily pads. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of, of uh, green on the surface, but full to the brim with water. Full to the brim. And in fact, you can see where I had to release some of the water mm. there into the wet ditch. Mm. And if you just come down here... I was hoping that this would keep its leaves as well. Do you see down here? Oh, yes. Yellow. And yes, and actually, we, we were walking actually by, uh, just to describe for less is more, by some more lovely hydrangea who are holding their, these are the pink ones this yes. time, are holding yeah. their flowers. Yeah. But this lovely, delicate specimen down here, we're walking okay. down towards it now. What is it? It's a lime. It's called Tilda. I saw this when I was in France. And it was a hugely mature one. And I said, now we do have lime trees around. Mm. But anyway, I managed to source this one. And I'm trying to I'm trying to keep it that it grows that way mm. and not out into the lane. Mm. But what I love is, look at the, see the lovely, the red tips. Oh, yes. Isn't it lovely? And yes. then, so the new growth has all these little, little red. You see them buds. there. Yeah, you can yeah. just see them there. And they're beautiful. And then doesn't do much during the year, but absolutely beautiful um, in the autumn. And I wanted to show you this as well. That is, do you remember when we were in the courtyard, there was Fatsia? Yep. And this is a fabulous winter plant. Now, it does need a bit of shelter, but that's Fatsia uh, spider's web. And it's just got this lovely variegated leaf. It's much slower, I find, than the other Fatsia, but it's just, it's well worth it for a dark corner in mm. your garden. Um, now, if it was very, very frosty, I would, I would probably cover it up. I mean, it survived last winter, mm. but again, you know, it's just because we had that awful winter in 2010, yeah. us gardeners are all going, oh, well, you know, you have to be careful for the once in a lifetime event. <laughs> we don't want that sharp frost. That's no. the message. Keep us away from this. Oh, come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. What's this? That is Alstroemeria Indian Summer. And it's been blooming since June. I have a pink uh, version of Alstroemeria as well, Peruvian lily. And the great thing about this is that when it's, it, it's got a great vase life as well, if you, if you bring it in as a cut flower. Mm. But if you're going to cut it, don't cut it, if that makes any sense. So you see what I'm doing here? So just grab it and pull it from the base. Yes. So what that does is it stimulates new growth from the, the roots. Whereas if you cut it, it just kind of okay. dies off. So I've been pulling these for months and it just keeps coming back. They're lovely. Oh, they're so nice. They really are. They're, they're gorgeous. It just shows you, doesn't it? What? A garden can bring no matter what time of the year it is just before we finish we're back yeah. in the lowest part of the garden yeah, and the well. wellies are sinking they yeah, sure as hell are anyway before we finish last look what are we here this is the canadian mm. maple and uh, i always have i have a few little samples of how not to garden in my garden and this is planted way too close to the silver birch but sure it doesn't matter they're mm. battling it out it's a fine tree I can't believe the height of it in just 10 years. <laughs> Magnificent. But isn't it beautiful? Look, look at the red. leaves. I mean, the shades. There yeah. are 40 shades of green red and, and gold and yellow and orange on, on and, every yeah. leaf. Yeah, and then it'll, it'll all eventually go this... Be look at this beautiful red here yeah. on the tips. And uh, it's, a, it's a stunner of a, of a, of oh, a tree. And then just up there, there's another one that's... I mean, they're the two oak trees. But there's another one which is very worthy of a mention. It's liquid amber and or American American gum tree and there's various different types but I, I have the room for the the large one which colors the best does best in full sun 
you can get one called Slender Silhouette, so for a smaller garden, but it probably doesn't colour just as well. And then again, you'll see the silver birch are repeated. There's three here, four there, and then there's 30 up there. So that's a kind of a theme in this garden. My oh <laughs> <Silver> my, <birch. laughs> it's been great. Listen, thank you for inviting me back November time to the garden. It is winter, but there's lots going on here. You have a wonderful place and it's a joy at any time of the year to come along. I think I'll give you one more call. Could I do a Christmas call? Would that be all right? Absolutely. Just to have one last look before the year turns all together. Yes, absolutely. But I've enjoyed every minute I've been here with you. You are so lucky and you're so wonderful. You can see all the time and dedication you put into this place. And by God, has it yielded dividends. Anyway, November with Rosie May in the garden. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And for me too. I do hope you come back. Oh, I'll be back for sure. Yes. And uh, if you want to travel... The full journey with me through Rosie's Garden. I will be podcasting uh, the full feature after the show today, but I'm sure that gave you a taste for what is simply magnificent. And you might have it in your mind that wintertime, there's not a lot of colour. Well, Rosie defies logic, really, with all the beautiful colours that she has in her garden. The work that goes in, I said it there, it really it comes out when you see through the seasons what is there and where one follows the other through spring, summer, autumn and winter. Simply, simply wonderful. I'll be back before the Christmas. I will indeed. You're at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Short break. And afterwards, well, our Sinead Burke is back with our banter. Days are short. Evenings are long at this time of the year. Of course they are. But our Sinead Burke just throws on the coat, the high vis, and goes out walking the walk and talking the talk. It's not just the mother in the broadband ad. Sure, aren't we all gone mad for the walking? For me, like many, it started in lockdown. Taking a stroll after a day working from home was a useful way to meet people I wasn't related to. And many an evening, I happily shouted over to the other side of the road, inquiring how others were getting on, and repeating in a bemused and exasperated loop my unique and insightful take on the global situation. It's mad, isn't it? Honestly. Sure, it's like something out of a film. Lockdown ended... The world is still mad and I am still walking. In fact, I now even own a pair of proper walking boots, though I don't have a pedometer yet. It's a grounding kind of activity, isn't it? The repetition of a regular walk. Taking in familiar landmarks from unfamiliar angles as you walk by instead of driving. Noticing how a garden is really coming on. And isn't that a lovely job they made those gates? It's free and low impact and there's not a lot of preparation involved. Throw on the coat and away you go. We'd be big into it on our road. There are the regulars on the route up and down the lane. And we have our pleasantries ready from the time you see another head bobbing up on the headland. Retired couples who can get out during daylight hours. Brand new parents with brand new buggies. Harassed nine to fivers listening to podcasts on their phones in the evenings. And then there is Ina. Ina is the queen of our road. A lady of a certain age. Like the late Ban Rielish, she wears bright colours so you can see her when she's out on her daily patrol. Sometimes she's company, sometimes she doesn't. But it's always a treat to end up in lockstep with her for a while. To the outside eye, our lane is just another country road, where people take a shortcut to get somewhere else, and the mobile reception is poor. But like every other little community, it's a smaller reflection of the wider world. Yes, a lot of us are related where we live. Local needs will do that. We're not exactly the Habsburg dynasty. There is plenty of new blood. 
alongside the long local drawls with extra vowels and parochial references. The previously exotic Dublin accents have been joined by German, French and Polish voices, having the chat while the kids look through the gates at horses. A couple of Ukrainian girls even appeared at the Blessing of the Graves during the summer and very welcome they were too. Mind you, there was a bit of a curious stir when my sister's mother-in-law, who is an elderly Indian lady, was spotted strolling down the road in her sari. Not so much valley of the squinting windows as curious locals belting out to the gate to say hello. In a world which is still mad, most certainly on fire, and the quickest way to an argument is to ask someone what a woman is. Community is important. It's both a shared history and a shared future, and making it work benefits everyone around us. The easiest way to engage with that is to go out for a walk. Get the coat on, have your chit-chat ready, and get out. It will do your head and your heart good. It certainly will. Wise words from our Sinead. Sinead Burke there with her banter. Love always what she has to say. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Erin Curran has been in touch with me. Hello, Erin. She wanted to wish her mammy, Mina, a very happy birthday. And we know the Currans are fantastic LMFM listeners. Mina, happy birthday to you. And your daughter is just wishing you all the best on this special day. We also had word for Angela Boyle and Barbara Ward, who are big Daniel O'Donnell fans. He was on earlier on in the show with me and just reminded that they are and uh, good wishes going to them from the Conlon family. Well done there. And, uh, you know, every Friday and late lunch, yes, we have this TV theme. Let's have a listen once more. Forty-one years that tune has been playing yesterday. Yes, Countdown celebrated its 41st birthday yesterday. I am a huge fan. Don't mind you, I I fell out with it for a little while. I did. When Anne Robinson was hosting it, I just couldn't watch it. She was awful, really. And she didn't last. Colin Murray is the presenter now and he's simply brilliant. He's made for it and it for him and along with Susie Dent and Rachel Riley, well every day I record it and I go home and I enjoy it in the evenings. I really really do. 41 years yesterday countdown. The winner of our gift on late lunch this afternoon is Anya Mostyn. Well done to you and thanks to everybody. Got loads of right answers there. Obviously there are more countdown fans out there than myself. Late lunch, LMFM radio. I'm looking at the clock. It's time to do this. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number one from this week in the year 2000. And when they released the song, well, it was expected to go to number one immediately as soon as it was released. And it didn't disappoint because on the 29th of October... It uh, debuted at top spot in the UK singles chart. It sold over 106,000 copies during its first week. Who am I talking about? The Spice Girls. Sure, if they brought out Three Blind Mice at that stage, it would have gone to number one. And with this number one, the Spice Girls became the first female group to have nine number one singles, sharing the record with a Swedish group, ABBA. Now, they were just behind the Beatles, Elvis, Cliff Richard and Madonna. They hold the record for the most. But what an achievement it was. Yes, number one from this week in 2000 it's the Spice Girls and let love lead the way
Yes, number one from this week in 2000, Spice Girls and Let Love Lead the Way on your late lunch. And we'll bring you a brand new top five next week on the show. Final break of the day. And afterwards, it's David Sheehan looking ahead to the weekend in sport. David Sheehan standing by to do the sporting thing with us on late lunch afternoon, David. Afternoon, Jerry. League of Ireland tonight. Uh, Dundalk and Drogheda both playing. Drogheda home to Shells. Uh, Dundalk on the road away to UCD. Final weekend of the season. And the neighbours, Dundalk, are looking for a favour from Drogheda. They certainly are. I was thinking about this earlier on, Jerry. It reminds me of those of us of a certain vintage that remember that final day of the Premier League many years ago when Blackburn pipped Manchester United to the title and Jamie Redknapp scored that last minute free kick for Liverpool. And the look on his face told you that he thought he was after handing the, the title to Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Well, draw to find themselves in a little bit of a similar position tonight. They obviously have a little bit of needle with Shelburne themselves. Uh, going back to that game last year when Ryan Brennan scored and Kevin Doherty and Damien Duff had a little bit of a set too afterwards. But So they won't want to be uh, handing over anything easy to Shelburne. But of course, if they beat Shelburne and Drogheda, or Dundalk rather, win against UCD, then Dundalk will finish in fourth. So it's a bit of a Hobson's choice from, from Drogheda's point of view. But... Just looking at the Drogheda game, I mean, they're missing they're missing a couple of players and I think Darren Markey is, is doubtful. Ryan Brennan, as I mentioned there, uh, or just mentioned him a minute ago, he's actually out injured as well. So I think Drogheda are, are a little bit short. Um, they'll give it a good go tonight, but I would imagine Shelburne will, would win that game. They have the motivation. Drogheda have a terrible record against them. Actually, that win last year was their only win in 10 against Shelburne. So I think Shelburne, with that motivation, with the form that Jack Moylan in particular is in, and it's his last game as well, remember, he's away to, to Lincoln. So I would expect Shelburne just by dint of the fact that they really have something to play for here. If they come forth to remind everybody, if Shelburne come forth and St. Patrick's Athletic win the FAI Cup, then Shelburne will qualify for Europe. So that's why it's an important one for them. Dundalk, you would expect them to do their bit against UCD. Although UCD caused some problems for Shells last week, as we saw, be it Shelburne had their second choice keeper in and he had a bad day. But Dundalk started their season with a nil-nil actually against UCD. Um, they beat them 2-0 and 4-1 since then. Uh, so they're they're going to need to score a few goals tonight anyway. If even if Shelburne draw, Dundalk will need to score four goals or win by four goals to to pip them to fourth. So all the, all the smart money would would be on Shelburne. You'd imagine to do their own part of the job and not have to rely on anything elsewhere. So I would expect Shelburne and Dundalk to win, but Shelburne to take that fourth spot. Yeah, and just to say, the prospective new owners of uh, Drogheda United, Travella, are in town mm. and will be there tonight, that meeting on Monday, to decide if the shareholders uh, agree with the motion to sell the club. Anyway, we'll watch that space early next week. Um, the Premier League in England, th- the game of the weekend is Newcastle against Arsenal. I was so disappointed with the Gunners against West Ham. Arteta made a lot of changes. He claimed that it was his fault that they lost, but... I said it to you before, David, I just don't see Arsenal this season firing on all cylinders, whereas Newcastle, they're playing great football. What about this one tomorrow? Yeah, they're flying at the minute, Newcastle. They had that win against Manchester United during the week, although how much of an achievement it is to go to Old Trafford these days and win comfortably is another question. Manchester Mm. United are just in rag order at the moment. Ragball Rovers, as Eamon Dunphy used to say, but they're really struggling. But Newcastle going well. They do have an awful lot of injuries. Tenali is suspended, as we know. They're missing Harvey Barnes, Jacob Murphy, Elliot Anderson, Sven Botman, Alexander Rizak, Manquillo. So they're missing a lot of players. Um, So they're going to maybe have a a little bit of a, a problem there covering those positions. But they're at home. Um, they've only won once against Arsenal in the last 10 Premier League meetings, actually. Arsenal have a very good record against Newcastle. But Arsenal are missing Gabriel Jesus and Emil Smith-Rowe. And I was just looking at it earlier, Jerry. Gabriel Jesus has only completed 90 minutes twice mm. this season, which is a, is a real problem. And he, he has struggled with injury of late. And he's really the right now number one striker. And Keddie, of course, did, has done very well recently. But he's a, a little bit of a downgrade on Jesus. But it promises to be a really exciting game, a really interesting game. 
I am going to give Arsenal the, the nod to, to get the win there and maintain their good recent record against Newcastle. They went there last year and everyone expected Newcastle to turn them over and they put in a really good performance. So I'm going to back them to, to bounce back from that fairly flat performance against West Ham during the week and, and, and get the three points. But it's it should be a cracking game and a cracking atmosphere there. It certainly will. That's why City sold Jesus uh, because he was always injured and Arsenal. Well, anyway, we won't get into that. We're going to leave soccer because we're going to be tight for time. Let's talk about GAA and the weekend. I do want to mention Rath Kenny played Keena in the Intermediate Football Championship and Roach Emmett some loud take on Scully Con- and in the junior championship, uh, Glide play Anok. Is it Anok or Anok? Well, anyway, Glide. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's who they're playing in the junior. But let's talk about the two senior games involving Loud and Mead mm. clubs. Firstly, Summerhill, controversy the last day. They're away to Nace. What about this one in the senior and club championship? Certainly was controversy the last day. Yeah, I was saying it. You, you, you always hear you never you never get a referee to change his mind. Well, he did it twice at the end of that game the last day. But they got out of there. It was the right decision as well. Let's forget. Let's not forget that they're up against Nace now, who are going to be a very different kettle of fish. I think to Tullamore, they're three in a row winners in Kildare. They were beaten by Kilmico Croaks in the last two years in Leinster. They were beaten in the final in twenty twenty one, and also beaten by them in the quarter final last year. So they've got real pedigree, Nace. Uh, it's in Hawkfield, the centre of excellence down there in Kildare, because obviously uh, St. Conlis Park is out of commission at the minute with the refurbishments mm-hmm. going on there. Uh, Summerhill didn't play well at all the last day. They, they admitted that themselves. We spoke to Barry Dardis afterwards. We, we talked to Conor Gillespie. They admitted they didn't play really that, that great. They didn't, didn't get up to the levels they would wish. So I would say they'll, they'll perform better this weekend. But I, I just think Nace might have a little bit too much experience and a little bit too much class for them. So I, I think Nace will just about nick that one. Now, St Mary's, the Loud Champions are in Wicklow, Blessington. And over the years, the Loud Champions have struggled in this. Uh, uh, clubs seem to be happy to win their uh, county championship. Then they go into Leinster and not much happens. But you know, the Marys, they can kick football and they can kick cups and everything. Well, I hope the players are in better shape than the cup is at this point in time. But uh, we, won't get into, we won't get into that at the moment. But they've had two weeks to recover from the final. Blessington, it should be remembered, um, they had the senior final replay last Sunday. So they're they're kind of bouncing back from that. The celebrations and everything that goes with it and trying to focus on a, on a first round Leinster or a quarter final in Leinster this Sunday. So they're going to have to kind of deal with that this week. Um, they've won two of the last three years in, in Wicklow. As we know, Marys have done back to back now after waiting so long for Joe Ward to come back to the, to the village. So... I think Marys are, are, are good enough to win this game. They were beaten by the Downs in the quarterfinal last year, who then also accounted for a tote, of course, in the uh, Leinster semi-final. But I think the fact that they were in there last year, they've, they've, they've won it twice in a row now. They'll have kind of probably raised their, their, their ambitions a little bit beyond Loud and go, let's give Leinster a real crack. Not that they didn't do that last year, but I think being in it for the second year running is, is going to stand to them. Blessing having that short turnaround, I'm going to give the nod to Marys to come through that one. Well, that will be uh, interesting to see what happens. It would be great if both sides uh, seriously could advance, you know, and and move both the counties into the semi-final stage. Is that drawn yet, by the way, if they were both to get through? Do you know? It is predetermined. Yeah, I actually was looking at it the other day. I can't quite recall who played who. Okay, yeah, that's all right. That's all right. But But, uh, I have a feeling feeling the mean and loud sides are on opposite sides of the draw. I won't won't swear to that, but I think they are. But um, but yeah, look, as you said, both, both counties have really poor records in that competition. So let's hope that they both get through and see what happens from Yes, and we wish all the clubs that I mentioned earlier in the junior and the intermediate as well all the very best for the weekend and Sunday Sport featuring those big games this Sunday afternoon in the Senior Championship. David, thank you so much. You're so good. Until next week.
Thanks, Jerry. Take care. David Sheehan will be uh, in uh, Weaver's Park tonight for the final Drogheda game, Drogheda Shells and uh, Dundalk, of course, against UCD. A big one as well online with LMFM. You can listen to both games this evening. Big thank you to Brian Farley, who guided me through the afternoon today. To you, our listeners who are with us every day, we love your company. And to all my guests during the week, thanks so much for joining us on Late Lunch. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. Do have a nice weekend and we are back with Late Lunch on Monday at 1.30. We'll see you then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.